Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You don't think that it's time that somebody cared enough to have a dream? Why are you getting so upset? This is not about you. Yes, it is. You are a human affront to all women, and I am a woman. At some point, you got to decide for yourself who you are. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. How do you go about getting an exorcism? I beg your pardon? Hi, this is Mark Kermode. Thanks for downloading this Kermode on Film podcast. This week we're joined once again by Jack Howard to discuss the thorny issue of whether, in the light of comments recently made by Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola, comic book movies in general, and Marvel movies in particular, really are cinema. Oh, plot spoiler, they are. Can we do a little clap for you? director. The last person I allowed to do that was Martin Scorsese. Really? It actually was, yeah. Wow, well, I mean, we are in a similar league. We, we, uh, um, okay, so uh, welcome back to Comedon Film, Jack Howard. Um, as I was just saying, Jack, just because Nick's filming this, you, there's a Patreon version of this uh, of this podcast now, which you can get without the adverts and all the rest of it. It's got some visuals. So Jack was doing the hand clap because Jack considers himself to be a, um, a young Martin Scorsese. The last time I allowed somebody else to do the hand clap was I was interviewing Martin Scorsese for... The re-release of Peeping Tom. Right. And we were in BAFTA, and they had two cameras set up, and um, and somebody said, oh, we need a clap. And I said, I'll do it. And Monsko says, he went, I think I will. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, that's fine, you know. <laughs> so that was it. So was, it for, was the quote literally, I think I will? Yeah, he said, I think I'll do that. And I, wow. you know, and I, and I just went, yeah, yeah, that's, that's of course you're going to Sorry, you <laughs> went like Scorsese. that, which, which was great, Mr. Scorsese, sir. You know, <laughs> however you like it. So, anyway, this leads us kind of rather nicely into the theme of today's uh, heated debate, which is something that Martin Scorsese said about uh, comic strip movies, or Marvel movies in particular, and was subsequently followed up by Francis Ford Coppola. So, this whole thing began because Martin Scorsese said fairly innocuously, I think, he was asked what he thought about Marvel movies, and he said that as far as he was concerned, they were not cinema. And uh, this kind of sparked a relatively uh, heated response in a number of areas of the media. I, I, I tweeted, Yes, they are, um, because it just seemed to me to be a foolish thing to say. That has subsequently been accelerated by something that Francis Ford Coppola has said. Let's start with the Scorsese thing. I thought that when Scorsese said the Marvel movies aren't cinema, he, he went on to say that they aren't for him, that he doesn't get anything out of mm-hmm. them, that it was a, a foolish comment, because I think, much as I admire Martin Scorsese, and, uh, you know, I, of course, you know, he's made some brilliant movies, not least The Irishman, which I think is really terrific. I think that saying that something which is in cinemas and means so much to a huge swathe of cinema goers, saying that it's not cinema is exactly like 
your dad when you play a record going that's not, not music not, not music he's not even playing that that's just noise can't tell whether that's a boy or a girl and I was disappointed because I thought because Martin Scorsese has continued to make interesting films you know he's he's advanced in years now and he's still a really interesting filmmaker saying that just seemed like to me the the foolish comment of somebody who should know better and the comparison that I used and I invoked your name Jack and forgive me for this I said if you have any experience of people and I said like Jack Howard is a friend of mine the conversation we had after because you and I saw Avengers Infinity War in the same cinema and it didn't strike me as much as it struck you and I remember we came out of it it was in um, it was in the Cineworld of Leicester Square and we went round the corner to the pub now Mm. referred to as the Cineworld and we went round the corner to that pub and then we me and my friends were all Com- completely delighted with it and but also really emotionally engaged yeah, and, we, totally. and we sat there for a, maybe an hour and a half and every and I felt like the lemon at the party because mm-hmm. I was the one going but it? I actually remember hearing your review uh, that you did on the radio and I thought you reviewed it so fairly oh, and thank you. you weren't like you know because it wasn't for you you weren't like dismissive of it you were just like there's clearly a huge audience for this I can see where they would find it interesting but for me it's just not I'm not the audience for it. And I think that that's an amazing thing to be able to do because I think the instinct is to go, what, is, what was that about? Like, the same way that Scorsese's doing it now, it makes him sound like an old man. Yeah. Um, well, so let's, we'll move on to Coppola in a minute. But so, you, so your initial reactions to that Scorsese comment, what does that make you think? It made, I, rem, I remember seeing um, James Gunn do a, a message on uh, Twitter and Instagram about it. Yeah. And he was like, I'm upset about this it's a shame that one of my heroes can't appreciate what i do now in the same way that people were upset with westerns back in the day and now westerns were taking over cinema yeah. um so I, I i just empathize with the directors of those movies who clearly try and put um especially the ones like james gunn or like taika watiti who try and put some of themselves into it even joss whedon tweeted saying there's a reason why there's a line uh in the first avengers uh, my secret is I'm always angry. He's like, that comes from a real place of, of humanity and something I'm struggling with and I'm putting it into a movie of this size. It's a shame that Scorsese can't recognise that stuff, even if he doesn't like it, to go, I can see that it has its place in yeah. the world. My favourite response, though, uh, I'm in a comedy duo called Jack and Dean, and my... No, really, you never mentioned it before. Shut up. And uh, <laughs> my comedy partner, <laughs> Dean, he tweeted... Just the picture of Martin Scorsese playing the fish in Shark Tale. Cause I like you. I'm going to give you 24 hours to pay up. All of it? How am I supposed to do that? That's your problem. Bring my 5,000 clams to the racetrack tomorrow or else. That's a bit of a double standard. Yeah, like, yeah. not cinema, and then you were in Shark Tale basically playing a version of yourself as a fish. It's a bit funny. I also think it seems really weird... Um, and I'll go back to this comparison about, you know, dads and pop music, because... Because I'm at a point in my life now when I have a, a, a son who is of an age in which he listens to, 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 to music that literally sounds to me like somebody is demolishing the house next door, okay? And he thinks it's brilliant, and I'm sure it is brilliant. I can't hear it. I mean, if I, if I try, I can find something, but I can't hear it because it's not, it's not, you know, I'm an old fart and I grew up on, you know, rockabilly and skiffle, mm-hmm. and which incidentally was considered to be disgusting and disgraceful by the generation before that. Um, but what I think is that my 
dad didn't like the music that I was playing, the difference was that back then it was considered to be perfectly fine for them to go stop playing that awful music. Yeah, yeah, nowadays yeah. you realise that it's not a matter of being down with the kids. It's a matter of accepting that the way they're hearing something is not the way you're hearing it. I remember once uh, I had a conversation with uh, Larry Clark, who had made Kids, which is a film I hate. Um, I, I, I know other people defend Kids and are fans of Harmony Corinne's scripts. I think everything you need to know about Harmony Corinne is his name. He's called Harmony Corinne. And um, I said to Larry Clark once, look, you know, you've made this film about, you know, young kids, and yet you're like, you know, you're an old guy. Yeah. How, how, is, how do you think that you have the... And he said, well, you know, I'm, I'm very down with the kids. And I said, well, what do you mean? He went, well, you know, like I go skateboarding with my son's pals. And I thought, yeah, that's... And in a nutshell, that's exactly We've it. we talked about skateboarding on yeah, here yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, right. You go skateboarding with... <laughs> it's not a matter of being, oh, yeah, I'm down with them. I get the same thing. It's a matter of understanding understanding that it's it, every, every generation has different things that they hear and see and and you said it best when you said if you've grown up with the avengers movies yeah the emotional investment in well it's them, not even just that it's 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 the fact that i grew up before there were movies about this stuff yeah well, you're, up, well actually you're at the you're at the upper you're yeah. sort of almost too old to be representing totally yeah. yeah like so so there's a difference obviously of about maybe about five or six years with the fact that my first superhero movies were like X-Men and the first Spider-Man trilogy yeah. and then eventually Nolan's Batman and those were the movies that I hold up as like especially Nolan's Batman uh, especially The Dark Knight obviously as that's what movies are and then in 2008 the same year as The Dark Knight Iron Man happened and then a whole shift happened in cinema where they were like we're going to have an interconnected universe and even Spider-Man Far From Home which came out earlier this year I'm not a big fan of that movie I watched it the first time and was enamoured with it because mm. I just I, I just go into the magic and I'm like, there's Spider-Man on screen. I can't believe I'm seeing this still. And and it's good Spider-Man. It's Spider-Man that we like. Yeah, but then I rewatch it and I go, oh, there's a lot of problems here. Oh, that's clunky. Oh, that's weird. Why have they done that? Uh, this is taking ages. This is a bit boring. Like, I have a different perspective, especially with Spider-Man, the second time I watch it. But the thing that stands out to me still is that Mysterio is in a Hollywood movie played by Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm like, what world are we living in? No one had heard of Mysterio when I was growing up. He was just like a weird cartoon character and a weird comic book villain that no, everyone was like, there's no way you'll ever see him on the big screen. <laughs> and now we have it, and it's Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, it just seems like such a shift in my lifetime from what I yeah. thought was possible and, it, and now is okay. possible. Imagine what I felt like going to the Barnet Odeon to see Howard the Duck yeah. the first time. <laughs> it was like, what? Yeah, you yeah. know, for all the things that may be wrong with Howard the Duck, it was just, <laughs> it's Howard the Duck. And I was very good friends with Tim Polcat, who's a you know huge comic books fan. And his reaction was exactly the same. It's Howard the Duck. And everyone mm -hmm. was going, well, it looks like a guy dressed up as a duck. You, it's Howard the Duck. What did you think of the end of the credits uh, of Guardians of the Galaxy? I, you know, I love. Was it Volume One or Volume Two? The one when it's Howard. With Howard the Duck, yeah. Wizened and alcoholic yeah, and yeah, terrible. Yeah. He's just yeah. there, and I was like, I can't believe. I mean, all right, yeah, sure. Exactly. What do you let it lick you like that for? Gross. Yeah, the bird's going down. If we're agreed that that that. that there is a fundamental problem with older filmmakers just dismissing stuff, which is whether you like it or not isn't yeah. the point, because, you know, I have reservations and I know you're more enthusiastic. So this is what Coppola said. Um, speaking to journalists in Leon, I'm reading this from the Guardian article. 
Following his acceptance uh, of the pre-Lumiere for his contribution to cinema, mm-hmm. contribution to cinema awards are the things that they give you when you stop doing anything, yeah, 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 and it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah you, you're fine. You can uh, stop now. Yeah, award. Fine, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> we don't need another version of Apocalypse now. You know what? <laughs> Honestly, it was fine the first time. <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola, uh, 80, said, when Martin Scorsese says that Marvel pictures are not cinema, he's right, because we expect to learn something from cinema. We expect to gain something, some enlightenment, some knowledge, some inspiration. Coppola continued, I don't know that anyone gets anything out of seeing the same movie over and over again. Martin was kind when he said it's not cinema. He didn't say it's despicable, which I just say it is. Despicable is a big word, isn't it? Well, despicable is a big word at the end of a, two paragraphs of hooey. So let's take this apart bit by bit. Firstly, um, we expect to learn something from cinema. We expect to gain something, some enlightenment, some knowledge, some inspiration. Coming from the guy who made Jack. Y- yeah, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and incidentally, I would... And also coming from somebody who, you know, who, who owes a huge amount to exploitation cinema. Mm-hmm. Let's begin by... This is a hypothetical question, OK? And I mean it hypothetically. Okay. Is pornography cinema? Uh, I my instinct is to say no. Okay. My instinct is to say, under certain circumstances, for example, Deep Throat, which I made a documentary about, mm-hmm. and it is a is a I think is a deeply problematic film because the circumstances under which it was made were horrible. Linda Lovelace was hideously abused by her horrible. There was a movie about it recently, wasn't yeah, there? which didn't even scratch the surface. No. I mean, I made a documentary which I'm very proud of um, called The Real Linda Lovelace for uh, for, for Channel Four, and it, it was it, it was a horrible thing. Okay. But it was, if you're writing a history of cinema in the 1970s, to ignore Deep Throat mm-hmm. is to conveniently ignore something which you don't it's, want to exist. Yeah, it's, it's to sort of yeah. like sidestep history yeah. a little bit. You might not like it. And of course, it became a very big part of the uh, feminist anti-pornography movement because Linda Lovelace subsequently recanted. You know, originally she was put up as the great kind of poster girl for pornography and she subsequently recanted and then told these the, uh, the stories about what had happened to her, you know, under Chuck Trainer's well, ownership, it basically came down to. And she had been horribly abused. Uh, there is then a discussion in the documentary that I made, I say, called Inside Linda Lovelace, about there is an argument that actually the film ended up saving her life because it made her famous, which meant that Chuck Trainer couldn't just carry on beating her up as he had clearly been doing for years. I mean, I interviewed Andrea Dworkin about it, and uh, Andrea Dworkin said, yeah, no, he was a pimp. That is what he was. You can't think of him as anything other than a pimp. And we interviewed Gloria Steinem and a number of, you know, really, really leading, uh, you know, feminist academics, all of whom had exactly the same opinion of Chuck Trainer and of what happened, but all of whom also conceded that there was an outside chance that, ironically, her coming into the public spotlight had prevented her from becoming... What? Something worse. Something worse, exactly. Yeah. And I think what, that's a really interesting point because bringing that up and that taking place in the 70s, that shows me the change in cinema because now I wouldn't say that pornography is considered no. cinema, but maybe in the 70s it was, Francis Ford Coppola, and now cinema has changed and developed into something else where that's not appropriate. In fact, it's the exact opposite of yeah. that where Marvel are trying their best. You know, They're under the mouse house, um, so they're doing all they can to sort of get more interesting different voices and and protagonists on screen in a way that we haven't seen before and it's weird that we haven't but the fact that captain marvel and black panther have existed in the last two years is 
uh, astounding uh, and also incredibly yeah. brilliant it's all, of them to be able to do that. It's also significant that of those 70s, when Deep Throat was in cinemas in the 70s, it was very hip to to embrace it. So at the, at some of the people, you know, Jack Nicholson and, you know, all these directors would go along. There's an uh, interview with uh, William Friedkin around the time The Exorcist was out in cinemas and he said, you know, I have no problem with pornography. It was, it, and I, there was a very famous article in which Nora Ephron said not to have seen Deep Throat in the 70s was seen as somehow culturally derelict of you. You know, you, it was part of the, because you didn't was say it, it was... About this sort of sexual opening yeah, of, oh, yeah. yeah, right, right, okay, right. Now we, We're now, all comfortable with it. And now we all know all the things about it but the point is to say it isn't cinema is just to because it is cinema it mm-hmm. may be the kind of cinema that you think is terrible and repulsive and wrong although at the time yeah it was held up as looking a kind back of, you might go i'd prefer that we didn't do didn't, that. didn't think that but at the time <laughs> it had a lot of hip cultural cachet and the whole point about it was the reason it became a, <clears throat> a sensation was because it was on the front page of newspapers and exactly these people from the you know 1970s hip counterculture directors were going along to see it so that's an extreme example but it's a way of saying you can't start saying things aren't cinema yep. just because you don't like them. Correct. Also, so the first thing is we expect to learn something from cinema, we expect to gain something, some enlightenment. The obscenity case with Deep Throat ended up arguing that it didn't have any value other than titillation, therefore it was obscene, at least in one state. Mm-hmm. I don't agree that you have to learn something from cinema to gain something, some enlightenment, some knowledge, some inspiration. I don't think that's true. No, neither who, do I. Who laid down that rule that yeah. that's what cinema has to do? I mean, I think, you know, if, if movies are there to, to, to scare you or to, you know, make you laugh or whatever. And, and one could draw a comparison between that and the Fifty Shades movies. Yeah. And say, OK. I don't like they, them. Well, I think they're trash. Yeah. Does it, but the fact is, they're still cinema. Mm-hmm. And there is a whole uh, audience for them who are getting something out of them that I'm not getting out of Totally. Them. Like, I don't need to approve of the fact that, like, the whole journey of those, of those movies are... Twilight happened, the movies happened, somebody wrote a book that's fan fiction of Twilight, changed the names, they got adapted <laughs> into, into movies, and now they have, you know, millions uh, of, of dollars that uh, they've earned. Yeah. I don't like that process. I don't like the fact that that happened. I think it's a bit gross. But doesn't mean I'm going to... I just don't need to go see them. Yeah, but also... That's indus- it. But industrially, Jack, it's interesting that the first uh, Fifty Shades movie was written, produced, and directed by a woman. Yes, and therefore became an industrial point mm-hmm. at the time that the industry was starting to change. And also, so essentially, we're agreed that you don't have to learn something to gain something, enlightenment, knowledge, inspiration. This is, I mean, yeah. you can yeah, do. Yeah, you can do, but you also can. I would say that some of the superhero movies do yeah, no, do exactly. That. Okay, I'm just I'm literally just working from here. Okay. <laughs> so firstly, first point, that's not right. But even if you accept that it is right, I would say that you mm-hmm. have... Gain something, learn something, enlightenment, knowledge, inspiration from exactly the movies that, I, that are being talked I about. I totally have, yeah. And I, and not only that, I would say that even outside of myself, seeing the stuff that gets shared these days of kids dressing up as Black Panther and Captain Marvel and all these um, representation matters posts are incredibly inspiring yeah. and wouldn't exist without the films. So I think that there's a knock-on effect that clearly exists in a way that we haven't seen before in cinema because we've never seen this type of response from children um, outside of white guys, usually. And now you see, um, instead of girls dressing up as princesses, which also would still be fine, 
they want to dress up as even if they want to dress up as Spider-Man, who cares? But like they are, they have superheroes to look at now, like Wonder Woman, like Captain Marvel, like Black uh, Black Widow. It's all, and, and for for uh, people of color as well, they have their ones uh, in in cinema as well that they can look at and go, there I am on screen. So I think that it's incredibly, it's an incredibly positive thing that in this quote and in this version in his head, uh, Francis Ford Coppola is just ignoring entirely or isn't aware of, and therefore shouldn't be speaking to the point, uh, as somebody who knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to movies, he knows how to make movies, clearly, but he doesn't seem to have an awareness of what cinema at the moment is for an audience and what that means to people. Nor indeed how cinema is changing, because in that universe that he's talking about, we've had women directing blockbusters, we've had uh, African-American directors directing blockbusters, we've had female composers composing blockbusters. And I, I know everyone says, well, yeah, that shouldn't be. The point is, that is an industrial change, and that industrial change is happening through those movies. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how how cynical you may feel that is. And incidentally, I don't think it is. I think it's you know it's just a practical change. But th- the industry is changing as a result of those movies existing. And I mean, I'm you know I'm I'm underplaying my own response to them because I loved Black Panther. I mean, I really just liked it as a movie, um, and. I think that you know I did get something out of Avengers: Infinity War. That I, Endgame I struggled with a little bit more, but I think you know I think everyone had certain issues with that. But I have you know the Chris Nolan uh, movies. I was just knocked out by I think that uh, you know the Batman Begins is you and I have already debated this I think <laughs> is is, the, is a great masterpiece of a, of a modern movie I remember coming out of it and saying to Nigel Floyd my great friend you know I, how did they make an art house movie that was that big mm-hmm. because that's essentially what they done okay so to go and on the, with- and the same with uh, th- that's the reason why I love Nolan's Batman especially The Dark Knight is because he's gone I'm going to make a crime movie that just happens to have Batman in it and I think that that is what is happening in cinema now as well, is that Marvel movies now are taking that same uh, approach of, we're going to make a comedy, we're going to make a sci-fi, we're going to make a, you know, uh, an action movie and just put Captain America in it, or we're just going to put um, Ant-Man in it. Yeah. And I think that that is an in- interesting approach for a multi-shared universe, is to go, we're going to make different genres um, for this big, wide universe. Um, and it's nice to know that like I'm going into each movie and... I know what I'm getting in terms of like a colour palette because yeah, they do all look the same. And I think that if I was going to critique the Marvel movies, I'd say that there is some, um, there's a struggle that they clearly have with allowing directors to put their own visual flair on stuff or their own voice into it. Mm. All the cinematography is very box standard, similar. They cover things uh, on several cameras rather than thinking, how are we going to make this uh, sequence interesting or how are we going to make it memorable? There's like a cookie cutter, cookie cutter way of making movies. But also, there are many, many positives about the movies that I could go on about for this entire podcast, which we won't. But there, is, there are things to criticize, and I think he's going for the wrong stuff. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, so how about this? He goes on to say, firstly, I don't know that anyone gets anything out of seeing the same movie over and over again. So that's an assumption that all these movies, this genre of movies, is the same over and over again. And whenever I hear that, I hear someone telling me that all horror movies are the same. Mm -hmm. I hear someone telling me that all rockabilly records are the same. Mm -hmm. I hear someone telling me that all superhero movies are the same. And they're not. Nope. They are demonstrably not, and I think it's idiotic to claim that they are. Now, interestingly enough, somebody said to me the phrase that was used by um, Scorsese about, he said, they're not cinema, they're like fairground rides, okay? And they said, well, you wrote about this in a book that you took to me. You wrote about this in a book, in Good and Bad and the Multiplex, you accused the um, Pirates of the Caribbean movies as being fairground rides rather than movies. Um, so, you know, how can you... And my, to which my point is, yeah... But that didn't make them not cinema. What made them not cinema is that I don't think they're any good. Yeah, right. Um, and I, you know, I've, there, are fair, there are enough fairground ride uh, movies. I mean, one could argue that the James Bond movies are fairground rides. It, you know, they, it, it, that's the same movie over and over again. Yeah, and, you know what but, you're getting. But there are good ones and there are bad ones. Yeah. There's Honor, Majesty's Secret Service, and there's you know the Man with the Golden Gun. They're yeah. not the same no. movie. Yeah. And there's Skyfall and there's Spectre, which yeah. are not <laughs> the same movie. There's Casino Royale and then there's um, Question of Sports. Or there's Casino Royale. <laughs> And there's the other Casino Royale, yeah. and they're not the same. They're not yeah. the same film. But there, yeah, you, it's, it goes to what I was saying before. There's a checklist of like, okay, Bond, cars, girls, action scenes, guns, explosions, foreign territories. Yeah, the, you know, world trotting, like yeah. globe trotting. It's it's. There's a checklist of stuff that you expect to see in a Bond movie that they may subvert or not. And the same goes for superhero movies, especially origin stories. Like, there's the same. You know what you're getting when you get a Batman movie or whatever. That's why. Joker was kind of interesting is because it was a different viewpoint on something we'd seen over and over again of yeah. Batman's parents getting killed. Oh, what if we saw it from this perspective or we saw the reasoning in this way? What if Batman's parents didn't get killed at the beginning of the movie? What if they got killed at the end of the movie? One interesting way of looking at something that we all know so well. It's almost like looking at an urban myth in a different way. And there is, yeah, there's a checklist of stuff for superhero movies, but it doesn't mean that they're the same thing over and over again. It doesn't mean that it's the same story or the same theme or the same. Um, you know, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that it's the same movie. No. It just doesn't. Do, it doesn't mean well, that. You know, again, I, I would make a musical comparison, which is that you know I play in a, a band that basically play rockabilly, and rockabilly is essentially the same three chords. I mean, you know, they're a passing but it's essentially the same three chords. But the whole point about uh, what I think is interesting about blues music is it's a way of making every version of the same three chords different. So it's a it's a way of taking like yes okay fine E A D fine you can play most of the, of the but it's what each individual song does with that that makes it interesting. Equally, there's the old uh, maxim about Roger Corman, to whom of course you know Coppola owes a debt, which is that Roger Corman's rule used to be. It has to be 89 minutes long, no longer. It has to have a scene in a strip club and it has to have an exploding helicopter. Beyond that, do what you want. And it's a joke about, you know, Corman making cookie cutters. But as Corman himself said, if you want to make a brilliant director, get somebody who wants to be, um, you know, the next Truffaut or the next Goddard and get them to make Carnosaur too, Because that's how they discover how to work. You give them a very, very confined... People often 
learn and do brilliant work within the confines yeah, of an exploitation totally. movie. Angrier, deadlier, hungrier. Carnosaur 2. Extinction is a thing of the past. I think just putting people in a box in general, limiting their resources, makes them think more creatively. Yeah, and say, do something interesting with that. Which is why I think that blockbuster filmmaking sometimes isn't as interesting as it could be, because sometimes they go, oh, can we do that thing? Of course we can, we've got CGI. Like... It's that type of behaviour in cinema at the moment that I have a problem with. So when people do something more interesting, like when Nolan builds a hallway that spins around instead of doing that on green screen, or in the same way he sends people to space without using a green screen. That's interesting filmmaking on a large scale. But like Captain Marvel, I really, really enjoyed until the third act, which turns into Marvel fair of fly around, smashy, smashy, and I was like, oh, I'm bored now. Yeah. Like, I've seen this before. Yeah. That's when I think that the reins get taken away from interesting filmmakers. But before that, in, in, and we talked about this before, that movie felt to me like a homage to 90s action like Terminator 2. It was on the ground, like... The geography of the of the action was really interesting. The train, the, 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 the car, like, it felt like a proper action movie. Yeah. And then it becomes... Marvel, I've seen this before stuff. So I'm not saying that there aren't criticisms to be made of of, of movies on that scale. Um, I'm just saying that they're they're looking in the wrong place. Because I rewatched The Last Jedi recently, and there's a lot of hate about The Last Jedi. I don't know if you know about that. <laughs> I heard. <laughs> you know, I, but, I, I, I did an onset with Ryan Johnson for Knives Out, and, yeah. I, and I asked him about, and he said, you know. It's the ha- was still the happiest experience of my life. He said really? I loved it. He said I couldn't believe I was part of the Star Wars universe. He has no bitterness towards. I don't. Any of I it. don't. I doubt that he ever would even consider that as, it's a, as a problem. But it's but incredible. I rewatched the Last Jedi recently, and I was like, "This is a really, really good movie." Mm. Like, I think my prediction would be that over time, people are going to accept that film as like the way that people look at Empire Strikes Back. But I think that it's the Casino Royale of Star Wars. I think what, it, what he's done is he's, talk, he's taken ideas, he's taken characters, and he's thrown them together and to, make, to make his own movie that happens to star Star Wars characters. <laughs> and he's made a film about something, and they're going through something, and they're experiencing That happens something. to be a Star Wars that movie. That happens to be a Star Wars movie, the same way that Casino Royale just happens to star James Bond. Yeah. And no, I think that's a very good point. It's really, really interesting. And I love that he... After you know, still being a relatively green director, he's he's done some interesting and some great movies. Yeah. But he was allowed the reins to do something that interesting, and I wish that Marvel allowed their directors to have that same flair. Which is why I think that people responded so positively to Thor Ragnarok. And I have my problems with Thor Ragnarok because I think that the the dialogue scenes are boring uh, in terms of the way that they're shot. It's like two close-ups and a wide and they're on sticks and there's no interesting blocking. Right. He doesn't know how to direct a scene the way that I think... Like, you know, you look at the Spielberg... Way you do. No, no, well... <laughs> the way that Spielberg directs scenes and the way that people move and it tells you something about who they are, he... Taika just puts two people standing in a room. But then you cut to the action scenes and, whoa, we're, the camera's everywhere and it, it's like, oh, this, is, this feels disjointed in the way that I think some of the Star Wars prequels do. Yeah. But I think that the voice of Taika Waititi gets through so much like his comedy his awkwardness like all that sort of stuff gets through and wins people over Um, and so the other stuff doesn't really matter and I wish more of that was happening like I wish that John Watts 
was able to be like, this is a John Watts film when he when you watch Spider-Man Far From Home. But I just see the Marvel yeah, machine. Yeah, yeah. So again, there are criticisms, yeah. but yeah, it but, doesn't mean that they're not cinema. You know, go ahead, stay here and enslave people for that lunatic. Keep drinking, keep hiding. But me, I choose to run toward my problems and not away from them. That's what. Because that's what heroes do. But that's fine. But I mean, if you look back through the history of cinema, this idea that suddenly the industrialization and mass production of stuff is is modern. You just that's because you don't know anything about the history of cinema. And yeah. what's really annoying is we know that Scorsese and Coppola know a huge amount about the history of cinema. We know that they know about the serials of the thirties and forties. We know that they that they know about you know we know that do they you know, know what they this sound stuff. like. They sound like the people who complain about like sequels and remakes. Yeah, like. Scarface wasn't a remake <laughs> and, it's, and it's like those people who they seem so narrow-minded like oh that's all cinema is these days it's like yeah but guys that's all it's ever it's always been a business it's always been that way okay but, but, okay, but brilliantly Jack this leads on to the next point when he says um, he didn't say it's despicable which I just say it is okay now I was um, doing a I was at a, a talk recently but with in which Joanna Hogg was there um, who I think is a brilliant filmmaker British uh, independent filmmaker is recently fin- just finishing Souvenir 2 I thought Souvenir was great and um, the issue the issue came up and Joanna was, was great about it she said well I know there's at least one person in the room who disagrees with me but I agree with with uh, Scorsese that it's not cinema and she said and the problem is that Marvel is a machine and it's eating the world and it's pushing everything else to the sides okay mm-hmm. so her point point was that um, that it's becoming this homogenous thing. Now, I, I think there are two things that are relevant about this. Firstly, you have to distinguish between the movies and the place that they occupy in terms of exhibition. So there's the movies and there's exhibition. And I do agree that in terms of multiplex culture, it's dis- disappointing that so much of multiplex culture looks like the, the same thing. And, is, you know, and uh, the movies that I find interesting, I'm looking elsewhere. But actually, I don't mind that because I don't go to multiplexes very much. I spend most of my time going to independent cinemas like the Plaza or, you know, um, because they're showing the movies that I want to see. And I think there's, that's always been the case. Mm-hmm. It's always been the case that it's, distribution is difficult. Everyone knows it, making a British movie isn't the really complicated thing. Distributing a British movie is the really complicated thing. But we now live in a world in which there are all these different forms of distribution, whether it's streaming or you know, VOD or you know, going to see things in different cinemas. My point is, look... You can dislike the Marvel movies. You can dislike the fact that they take up an awful lot of multiplex screens. Embrace art house cinema and let that thrive because that's the future. That's actually where the interesting totally. stuff is happening. And it feels like they're complaining that, like, why isn't that popular? Yeah. And it's like, because well, it's not. It never has been. <laughs> There's not a massive audience for it. But you, if you like it, you can promote it in a positive way. Yeah. You don't need to be like, I don't like that thing. You can be like, I like this thing. Why don't you go and see this? Yeah. By prime example of that, and it's some, it's something that should have been a huge hit, is Booksmart. Oh, yeah. Which, which is one of my fabulous. favourite films fabulous. of the year. It is absolutely wonderful and so funny and so brilliantly directed um, by Olivia Wilde. And that, to me, feels like the, please go see this. Like, yeah. I, I, I want to talk about it whenever I get an opportunity to, to be like, please go see it, please go see it. And I don't go, please go see this, instead of seeing, you know, <laughs> That's right, this. Yes. Like, see both. 
Like, <laughs> if you enjoy cinema, you can enjoy a wide variety well, of stuff. Well, tangentially connected, I really like mid-90s as well. I thought, right, yeah, I, I I liked I thought it was too. good. And again, that made no impact mm-hmm. whatsoever, but it doesn't mean it's not brilliant. I think Monos is one of the most exciting films I've seen I all year. I haven't seen that yet. But it's, in, it's currently number 18 in the you know top because mm-hmm. it's playing in a limited number of cinemas. Um, every year when I get to the end of the year list, you know, people say, oh, well, your top five films of the year, you know, none of them are box office blockbusters. Yeah, I know. But if you ask me what the best records of the year were in with the time that I was listening to new records, the Comsat Angels were never chart toppers. But you know, it, it's I don't it, even know who that is. No, but, but that's the point. Okay, <laughs> of course you don't. You know, because you weren't even born, and 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 they, you know, and they never doesn't mean I don't love them. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that I can't champion them at every possibility. And in fact, my feeling is, if you're Martin Scorsese or Francis Ford Coppola, you kind of have a a duty of care to stop complaining about the things, the ones that you know, and celebrate the things that you do. I think so too. How is the world made better by grumpy old men telling us that Marvel movies aren't cinema and are despicable? Yeah. How does that improve the cinema? (laughs) How does that improve cinema? Like, I think you're right. I think the, the, the point of all this, the bigger conclusion that I think we both agree on is that positivity trumps negativity. And the idea that if you he... could be a politician. You should run for office. That's a, you should really <laughs> hope change. Yeah, that's what you know. I vote for you, especially because I said the word Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well um, done. But <laughs> I think that if he had done an interview and said they're not for me, um, which is kind of what Scorsese yeah, did more. But then if, if they'd followed it up by saying, but but here's something I really enjoy and I'd love to promote this thing or whatever, like that would have been so much more that would have been so much more well accepted. And I hate that it's become this uh, buzzword sort of question from all filmmakers now what do you think about what Scorsese said what do you think about Coppola what do you think about Marvel mm. like every, every filmmaker is getting asked that now although I have to say in doing this podcast we're, we're contributing to that true and I mean, I, I, in the same it's way, an interesting discussion yeah, in the same way that I was contributing to it by, by just tweeting you know dear Martin Scorsese yes they are yeah, yeah, yeah. because you know it's a, but, I, but I, I did because I actually felt quite I felt I felt disappointed yeah because I really I mean I asked um, Ryan Johnson about this in relation to the Star Wars thing and I said, oh, you know, what about the, what Scorsese said about Marvel? I just did exactly what you said. And he had a brilliant response. He mm-hmm. said, he's Mark Scorsese, he can say whatever he wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, which is exactly right. And actually, I, that, that positivity that Ryan Johnson just exudes from his every pore, mm-hmm. you know, when he gets all this flack for making a great Star Wars movie, he goes, yeah, it's great. I don't, you know, I, people care. I'm really yeah. interested. That's what, you know, I, I think part of that is an age thing. I do think you get to a point in your life when you just, you just stop listening to news. I mean, it's, you know, say what you like about Elton John, he still listens to new music, which is astonishing. Um, so I'll bring this back as a final point, back to the 70s, back to where we began. The fact that Joker is a film that is so influenced by the fact that Scorsese was at one point talked about as an executive producer. Yeah. And there is a scene in that film in which they're in what's essentially Times Square. It's not Times Square, but it is basically Times Square. Sure. And there are billboards for movies like, um, you know, Zorro the Gay Blade. Mm. But there's also what appear to be sort of porno cinemas. Yes. And this is an establishing thing, and it's meant to look like Taxi Driver. It's meant to look like the world that travels... Is it? <laughs> thank you. No, no, thank you. I know, but, but sorry, I was, I'm stating the obvious for, for, for dramatic effect, right? If you were in Times Square around that time, yeah. one of the other movies that you would only have found in those cinemas was Wes Craven's The Last House on the Left, which was absolutely dismissed by the mainstream as a vile, disgusting piece of filth. We now see it as a really important milestone on the career of Wes Craven, who went on to, you know, redefine what modern horror looked like, whether you like it or not, with Nightmare on Elm Street and all the rest of it. 
Here is the first motion picture to offer to the daring a look into the final maddening space between life and death. The last house on the left. To avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a movie. Only a movie. There were enough people back then saying, that's not cinema. Mm -hmm. And... It's exactly the kind of thing that the Scorseses and the Coppolas of this world would have been saying, oh, God, have you heard about this underground movie? It's really shocking, but it's, re- you know, it's really, really interesting. And it depresses me now to hear them take anything that's working for an audience and to say it's not cinema. And to say it's despicable is just like, you know, just go back to recut an apocalypse now. <laughs> In, and as you say, you made Jack. Yeah. Your yeah. Honour, the defence rests. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there we are. Thanks for listening to this Kermit on Film podcast. If you've enjoyed it, remember to subscribe and tell your friends. And why not check out our Patreon page for exclusive extra content. Thanks for listening. Keep watching the skies. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 